marketing has to start from within. The most important organization within the within the company is is, is your selling organization because you know they're 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 a vehicle that's taking your message out every single day. And if you're not bringing them into what you're doing, then all you're doing is quote unquote just marketing. Welcome to the CMO Stories podcast, brought to you by Forkella. This podcast series features marketing executives explaining how they're upending the fundamental approach to marketing to get above leads and tactics and instead focus on revenue goals. And now, on with our show. Being a CMO at a high growth startup is very different than at an early stage startup or a more mature company. Gary's service at the venture capital firm Insight Partners best describes it. Growth CMOs have a unique blend of strategy and tactics. They can present across the organization, collaborate as easily with sales as product teams and customer success, and steer the organization towards success. And it's not just about any kind of success. It is about revenue success. Great Growth CMOs have the uncanny ability to create extreme value and extreme growth. Tom Buter is not just another growth CMO. He is the granddaddy of growth CMOs. Here are just a few examples of companies where Tom has led the marketing organization as their CMO. SignalFX, which was acquired by Splunk for $1.1 billion. Sprinkler which was recently valued at $2.7 billion. AppNexus, which was acquired by AT&T for $1.6 billion. And Red Hat, which was the second highest IPO in NASDAQ's history and most valued open source company. Uniquely, Tom seems to have a knack of picking great companies and propelling their growth into the stratosphere. I first met Tom when we worked together at Sprinkler in 2015. He was also an early believer in our vision at Fortella to enable every company to run marketing with revenue centricity. His last company, SignalFX, used Fortella to get prescriptive guidance to align every marketing move with their revenue goals. Recently, Tom assumed the role of CMO at Kariba, a treasury and risk management SaaS software company. I caught up with Tom to understand his secret to success as a growth CMO. Hi, Tom. Thanks for joining us for the CMO series uh, podcast. You've been a CMO at quite a few high growth startups over the last 15 to 20 years. How's the situation formed your approach as a growth CMO from a perspective of VC pressure, growth pressure, focus on revenue and customers? Hi, Rahul. First of all, thanks for having me. Um, I'm glad to uh, I'm glad to share the experiences um, and and any you know wisdom I've accumulated. Um, you know, as a perspective, you know, it's funny. I've I often tell people that I'm trying to recruit into you know to work with work with us as part of our you know team, and and I often say to them, it wasn't that long ago that I was the youngest guy in the room, you know, or I was the youngest guy in the on the on the playing field. Um, but now I find myself having uh, a bit of experience, and so I'm I, I 
I take that very seriously. And, and what I try to do is, you know, uh, share, share as much as I can with, with, um, with everyone as well as continue to learn, you know, from, from new ways. So uh, with that in, in mind, yeah, things have changed um, a lot. Uh, there's no doubt that with the sophistication of marketing technologies and, um, uh, and, and sales tech technologies, uh, much like the system that you all have developed at Fortella, um, we're able to be, we're able to track a lot more of the performance um, that marketing you know, is yielding. And uh, there was a time when you really didn't know what was working and what wasn't working. And so because of that, I, I wouldn't necessarily that there's um, more pressure. Um, it's just that there's an expectation that you will be able to have the data to support the programs and the work that you're driving. Um, and so from a, from a revenue perspective, you know, we, you know, in, in my recent experience at signal effects and, you know, in Splunk, we were able to, to use, to use, um, well, Fortella in, in, in some, um, you know, time and, and other new, you know, new, newer era tools to be able to understand, you know, what the impact was on the things that we were doing and how that impact was, was affecting uh, new opportunity as well as, um, as well as, you know, existing accounts and the ability to upsell. And so I was, you know, in our, in, in board meetings, we were, we were able to share the, um, we, we were able to share the, uh, the charts that we were looking at week after week, um, every week, um, uh, between marketing ops and sales ops, um, we were able to share those um, dashboards with, um, you know, not only with the executive team in our weekly meetings, but also, you know, at the board level. It made and it actually made putting board presentations together pretty easy. You talked about expectations from uh, the board, and that's a great segue to my next question. You worked at small companies, you worked at really large companies, and you worked at growth companies. What's different about being a growth CMO? What, uh, how are the questions that the CEO or the board ask different? What do they focus on? And does the relationship between sales and marketing change at a growth company? So, to, so there's a lot in that question. So I, I'd say the, the primary difference from a board's perspective is there's a huge focus on, um, on pipeline, uh, at a growth stage company. And, um, you know, pipeline is a, is a, is a fantastic indicator of your likelihood to achieve the growth projections that you've put in place. Um, you know, at signal effects, we were always monitoring, uh, five quarter pipeline. <clears throat> so, you know, a year plus out, um, as, and then we, and then we would continuously obvious and obviously refine that as you got closer in to the uh, current, current quarters. And so I'd say that that was much more of a, of a, of a measure that boards were looking for, uh, in growth stage companies versus, you know, the, the, the bigger, more mature companies. Um, I think in both cases, um, 
the um, you know net retention of um, of revenue it becomes really important. Um, so in in, a, in SaaS businesses, obviously you 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 know you're you're trying to to grow that number as as, as it's a there's a natural growth, but then you're trying to accelerate that growth. We we did. We did some pretty healthy uh, growth among cohorts um, as we brought them in, in in the case of signal effects. But in the case of, you know, some other companies, some other public companies I worked with where I actually was involved in a turnaround, um, we had we had a lot of focus on uh, customer retention um, and then everything that would feed into uh, our ability to project whether or not we would actually um, experience churn, uh, which was happening at the time. Yeah, that makes sense. Does that, so answer, does that yeah, answer does. your question? Yeah. Okay. It does. Yes. So what I'm hearing is, you know, there's certainly more pressure on growth, regardless of the type of company, and you know, with my, my, my marketing being under under microscope and sales demanding more than board and the CEOs demanding more. And I think the other thing you added was around uh, expectations about retention uh, of existing customers. Yeah. So what's one thing that keeps you up at night in all of that? Well, actually, do you want me to answer the relationship with VP of sales? Oh yeah, go ahead. Okay. So I'll just, I'll just add to what I was saying. So, <clears throat> or come back. Um, so you asked about the CMO's relationship with sales and whether or not that's any different between a more mature company or a smaller growth stage company. And I would say it's, no, it's really not. Um, uh, If I were to point out a difference, uh, it's just that the relationship is a lot, is a lot tighter uh, at a, at a smaller growth stage company because you're, you're just, you're doing a lot more sort of hand to hand, you know, work together. Um, and, and you're in, in many cases, you're forming things together, you know, you're aligning on the measures and you're, you're in active conversations about, you know, what, what messages are working and, um, uh, the support that's needed and continuous development and, 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 uh, and, and trying to be responsive to, you know, the feedback from the field. I'd say in a larger company, um, those things are are important, but they tend to get worked out at at the strategy level, and you tend to have you know bigger teams. Um, so your operations teams are working really closely together, um, and um, you just need to make sure that you're you're aligned, you know, with strategically with with the head of with the head of sales. Uh, and they're they're you know because my my view in 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 all cases but especially at a bigger company um is that marketing has to start from within and um you know the most important the most important organization within the within the company is is, is your selling organization because you know they're 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 a vehicle that's taking your message out every single day um, and if, if you're not bringing them into what you're doing, then all you're doing is quote unquote, just marketing, uh, as opposed to having them feel like they're a part of it. That's a great mantra. Yeah. So what keeps you up at night from a marketing perspective? You know, it, it, it really depends upon 
the um, the the sort of primary challenge. <clears throat> um, I one of the key things is is uh, is is one of the things that one of the things that will keep me from keeping awake at night, or at least at least reducing that, is knowing that I've got other people um, around me that I really trust. Um, other people who know their areas, you know, better than I do, whether it's product marketing or, you know, or demand gen or field or, um, you know, or, or, or that kind of thing. Um, and that they, you know, that they're contributing um, and I've got confidence that their contributions and their ideas are, are going to be solid. Um, when I don't have that level of confidence, then it makes me anxious because I'm, I'm, I wind up spending a lot of time inside, inside all of our work. And um, so the point where that can take away from me actually forwarding the agenda. Um, and like the big agenda and um and i i you know i don't think i was hired to be a copy editor um but sometimes you have to lead you know lead by example and lead from the front to show what you know really really good work is um especially if it's in in a really important um for a really important matter um <clears throat> so yeah i'd say that's 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 what keeps me at night up at night so you recently joined Kariba as their CMO. Can you tell us a little bit about the company, what it does, its solutions and products? Sure. Um, so what's interesting is Kariba um, is one of those um, fairly big SaaS, enterprise SaaS companies that most people never heard of. I certainly never heard of them when they, when I got a call from a recruiter. Um, so it's a fintech company, so it's a new space for me. Um, but like all of the other experiences that I've had, um, it has the opportunity to, um, affect something super important for the, you know, the, the, the value of the customers, um, that it serves. And in this case, um, that, that value that, that it helps to serve is, um, providing, you know, a near real-time um, capability on managing the liquidity um, of the enterprise across the entire enterprise. So if, if you think about it, um, you know, this crazy and, you know, in many ways, very sad year we've, we've had here in 2020 because of COVID, because of, you know, the currency fluctuations, because of, you know, so, so many so much volatility <clears throat> what's the one thing you know that certainly growth stage companies but probably every company is is taking a look at and that is you know their cash their cash position and their cash flow and um you know it used to be uh in you know living in silicon valley uh for 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 a while it was i know from you know, the data that I've seen and talking to CFOs, it was, it's actually easier for a CFO to get money than it was for us to hire software developers. All of that changes suddenly, you know, when, 
the you know when the when the when the the paths to to future growth become very very unclear <clears throat> as a result of all of this volatility and so that puts a focus on okay you need to stop spending or you need to reduce your spend um and 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 therefore the access to cash becomes you know a little bit a little bit um shakier so then the question is well why haven't we been truly doing everything we possibly can to optimize our liquidity? And, um, and the answer is that, you know, a, a, a lot of companies don't have, I mean, the CFO, the office of the CFO hasn't had the technical capabilities to do what we're often doing in all these other areas. Um, you know, there's like 25% of, of cash is, is invisible. Um, according to, you know, recent surveys, um, of global corporations, there's, you know, it's a bunch of, it's a bunch of liquidity that's hidden inside balance sheets. Um, you know, 80% of companies are going to experience payments fraud multiple times. All this stuff affects your liquidity. <clears throat> what if you had a system, a platform, an enterprise grade system that can help actively manage that liquidity, um, across all of the areas where liquidity you know, has, has impact, you know, from treasury, which is where it typically has been focused. But then you think about like foreign exchange and, 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 and um, just the whole area of risk. Um, think about supply chain, all the suppliers, you know, that you may, you know, be interacting with and how you manage that. Uh, think about payments. And, um, you know, these are, these are critical areas where, you know, the, the flow of money, the liquidity of of, of the company's resources are, you know, are, are, um, are, are at their most important. So, so I felt like this was a chance to help elevate a very important um, capability um, and make it a really important um, one that I think, you know, every CFO needs to know about. So um, having you know, having helped put open source kind of on the map and product lifecycle management on the map and customer experience management on the map and cloud monitoring and observability on the map and elevate the importance of those, you know, those, those capabilities first and then the companies bringing those platforms to the market. <clears throat> it just, it felt like a similar, you know, a similar challenge and arguably one of the most important things that is, is actually going to help the future value of enterprises. So, um, and I, I was attracted to, uh, you know, so the, intellectually attracted to the challenge. And then, and then I, you know, I think the, the management team at Kariba is, is like super solid, um, really experienced people. Uh, Jean-Luc Robert is, uh, is a, is a, is a very successful entrepreneur. Um, and he's also a good man, you know, and um, that meant a lot to me. Um, he has a, he's a, you know, he's, he's an entrepreneur, he's a driver, he's sales sort of oriented. Um, but he's, um, but he's a good guy. Um, and he's, uh, respectful and, and I appreciate, I appreciate his, um, his, the way, the way he operates the business. That's great. Yeah. It seems so vital to, especially the times could be the difference between hiring the next you know, engineer or buying the next equipment. So I think, you know, the, the, the impact of what Kriba is doing really extends to 
to much beyond just uh, you know core uh, treasury management. So that's great. Now it's a company that's been around for a while, uh, and uh, you've been brought in uh, to to grow the company. So how are you going to do that? <laughs> um, yeah, stay tuned. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of work. Um, there's a lot of work to be done. I think you know. Uh, first, first and foremost is we we have to help elevate the importance of the issue, um, and and then um, you know clarify that because there's usually a lot of noise around all these things. Um, and hopefully provide a you know a road a road to value um, that can help executives inside the office of the CFO and potentially the CIO <clears throat> to understand you know how they can how they can truly benefit you know how there how there's opportunities to create and capture value um, and so so it's you know it's 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 category creation it's creating the playbook on how to win it's it's um, it's uh, you know retraining your 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 sales force. It's um, it's you know it's putting a spotlight on the issue, tapping into people, you know, it, um, perspectives, getting customers and others to you know advocate for the, you know, for the um, the importance of it, and um, and you know, and then putting programs that just drive that out. Uh, so. That's that's a little bit of the playbook. That's a lofty goal. Uh, so <laughs> we, let's break it down. So you come in as a new, as an incoming growth CMO. How do you approach the first hundred days? Um, well, um, I've upped my my um, you know my espresso you know take. That's the first thing um, because we're working you know we're working across like time zones, you know, nine and 12 hour differences of time zones. So it's the, the days, <clears throat> the days are long. Um, but, um, I've been, I've been really focused on, um, trying to first understand the business, um, um, understand the capabilities of the team, um, look at what's in front of us to see, um, you know, what, what's the most important thing that I can affect immediately um that might need some help and i found that um it's a it's a you know our it's a global summit virtual summit that we'll be hosting in november <clears throat> and um so i just felt like it was a big pipeline creating opportunity for us and so i've i just dove right into that knowing that that was probably our biggest you know marketing activity um in the in the near term um, and then putting in place the 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 the, the plan um, uh, and aligning the resources to bring that plan to life. Um, so that's the, those are the things that I've been focused on, um, making sure people are in the right roles, um, and being done with that basically through those first you know 100 days, and then the next phase from there. Uh, which is kind of the natural follow-on question is is execution, execution and continuous learning. I mean, just being in the market, listening to customers, listening to analysts, listening to Salesforce. Um, we spend I spend a lot of time with the product team, um, and um, and just continuously 
you know, execute and refine uh, as we go forward. But, you know, it's like <clears throat> the, um, the, the job requires you to operate consistently on two tracks. And that is you have to be operating on one track that is a track that typically happens in growth stage companies, which is, you know, how can you affect the next quarter and the quarter after that and the quarter after that? Um, and so, yes, you have to be doing that work um, and getting smarter and smarter and smarter about how you do that. Um, but you also have to operate on the track of how are you helping to affect the positioning and uh, of the business over the course of, say, the next 18 months. And if you if you sacrifice one for the other, you will not drive the type of change that you'll need to drive or the enterprise value that you need to create or help to create. Um, and I'd say that perhaps in, perhaps in, um, you know, in Kariba's case, I think it was focused a little bit, you know, too much, uh, on the here and now, um, and less on the longer term, um, perhaps didn't have the capabilities to understand truly how to do that. I think they had good instincts and have good instincts about, um, about its core value and, and have done a lot of good things. I just don't think they've gotten the benefit of maybe how to do them more powerfully and more, um, you know, in keeping with what, what's really going to get the attention of the people we need to get the attention of. Yeah. Uh, I I'm think it's a, I'm not trying to be negative, but it's just an it's just an observation. I also like your distinction between uh, longer term versus more narrow term. I think both are important. In all of that change, or any change for that matter, uh, you have to think about how to preserve the best of a company, and but also change things to scale for growth. How do you, as an incoming CMO, how do you negotiate that? Well, I mean, I, I kind of pre-negotiated it um, in a lot of ways. I had to understand, you know, if, you know, first of all, if there's, if there's, you know, what, what the expectations were and what, what are my expectations and what my, I'd literally presented, you know, a, a plan. It, it wasn't obviously specific, but it was certainly a strategic plan. I presented it to the management team, the leadership team prior to coming in. And um, uh, so that was important because I did not want to come in. I did not want to come in and think I was, you know, doing one thing and they had the expectations of me doing something else. Um, so, and then, so from there, it's just, I've just continued to, you know, to articulate that. And, um, and at the same time, obviously I'm aware of, I've, I've become aware of more things that, um, you know, that I can potentially influence and should be involved in. Um, just, I try not to have those things be too distractive because it's easy to get distracted. Um, so that, that's how, and, you know, we have, we have, uh, you know, I would say um, I've become much more vocal um, with our leadership team um then perhaps I might have been otherwise um and I and maybe th this group 
allows for that and people people speak openly about the things that are on their minds and but it's it's treated with the respect that it deserves um and so i think it just breeds it breeds more openness which which is which has been nice so growth companies are like you know rockets that, that if you make small changes to velocity or direction you can end up in a in a different place so therefore uh you know constant communication and alignment is key and a key stakeholder in there is your ceo the board so as an incoming C- cmo how do you as you are implementing changes how do you report success what's the frequency of how you communicate that so that everybody's aligned um so we um so there's we've done a few things one is um the um i i was given an opportunity to um i was given an opportunity pretty early on to present like my just general view on what what i was going to do you know with marketing and then at the same time talk to this one um, event that we had as a way to start to enroll people in the company and supporting what we were doing there. So that was like, okay, you know, I, I think I know what's in his head. That's a good thing for the company. Right. And then I was given the second opportunity to present to arguably, you know, a cross-functional, pretty broad cross-functional team of managers and leaders that was first put in place to, um, just stay in touch during the, you know, virtual working days of, of, of COVID at the beginning and we've kept it going. And so, you know, every week we have, we hear from somebody from a different function about something that they're doing that we think everybody'd be interested in. And I was given the opportunity to talk about what it's like actually to build a category and um, lead a category. And so that again was a chance to further, and I've got very specific and showed examples and all the stuff. Um, and that's, that's, and that's been reaching out and I've, 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 I've been fairly inclusive with a broader selection of, of the marketing team invite, you know, I've, I've, I've I've participated in, in, um, you know, sale, regional sales meetings and, um, and then we have our leadership meeting every week for like 90, 90 minutes, which is a chance to, to highlight things. So just a lot of communication. Right. You talk about sales. Uh, they're an important uh, stakeholder and a partner in that, that growth trajectory. And, you know, uh, there's uh, often some tension between sales and marketing. And frankly, it's, some of it is healthy if managed correctly. How do you manage that tension between sales and marketing? Well, it is. It is. Um... It is healthy, and and um, I mean the, the way I think about marketing's role, it's it's actually, and it's not because I I do it, but it's or I'm in it. But you know, if you think about it, it your marketing sits between sales and product, and it sits between the company and the customer. Um, and so you you know if you skew marketing and from a product perspective, it tends to kind of be an inside out approach if you skew marketing from a sales perspective it tends to be fairly reactive and tactical um so it's being able to bridge 
all of that um, and, um, and, and bring perspective and, and hopefully wrap it all up in, in, in a powerful way that uh, makes everybody feel um, you know good. Um, so specifically, um, <laughs> marketing will never get credit uh, for you know bringing in new business and um, helping to win relationships um, but it's harder and harder um, for sales not to respect um, the influence that marketing will have in um, sourcing uh, new accounts that become you know longer term relationships and helping to build existing relationships into 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 better ones um, because we have the data, right? Um, we used a, an attribution tool called Lean Data uh, at Signal Effects, and I mean, it was like I brought I brought it to the board meetings because it was like, here's the history of an account and all the touch points between sales and marketing. You could we were literally able to go back like two years and look at data. You were able to see an investment that might have been made two years earlier where there was an initial contact, but then, you know, over the course of those two years, um, there was a series of other things and then, you know, potentially a deal got accelerated and that happened. In some instances, you can point to another relationship and, and literally watch the, watch the, the, the uh, interactions on a dateline and see that, well, wow, this thing happened in 45 days. Um, so, so as a result, um, and as a result of having, um, you know, tools like Fortello that can help really create granularity to, you know, pipeline and where it's coming from and projected where it can be coming from, um, we're just able to have a lot more, you know, a lot more data to share. And then, and then I think, <clears throat> I think you, you know, you ultimately need to win over, um, sales leadership as well as some individual salespeople to, um, you know, to, to help them actually help others um, see the value. I remember, you know, I, wor I worked for Mark Cranny when I was at Signal Effects. I've worked, I worked for Mark when I was in Andreessen. I've, I've worked um, with him when I was at PTC. And one of the biggest things he did for me uh, was when I introduced, I mean, it was a repositioning of the company <clears throat> and I was introducing an entirely different way of going to market um, than that sale, that very proud and very successful Salesforce had been used to. And, um, and it became the need to be much more consultative. And, you know, the content that we created was industry leading and, and, um, it, it changed the trajectory of the company. Um, and, but there were a lot of people that were used to how things were, which was, you know, you can ask all the strategy questions all day long, but the next answer was, let me show you the demo, right? Um, well, those days were over. Um, and so when we introduced, you know, this value roadmap on the way to create and capture value for companies that were creating, you know, products across the enterprise, um, which didn't exist by the way, um, we tested it um, with 
with the field, certain members of the field um, and certain customers. And Mark was one of those. He was running sales in the West and then the America's Enterprise sales. And, and uh, he was getting a lot of success from it. And so at sales kickoff, when I was now bringing it to the whole, the masses, um, um, it was one thing for me to talk about it. It was another thing for our head of product to talk about it, who wound up becoming a CEO of the company because he was involved in the work. But when Cranny stood up on stage and he basically said, if you guys don't get on board with this program, you're not going to be here next year. It got their attention, right? Because one of them, right, talked to, you know, they, it was it was coming from one of their peers and somebody who was really successful, obviously, there, um, and who never minced words. I was kind in what I actually said he said just now, by the way. Um, but, um, but his point was, um, you know, w was well taken. Um, and there were people that didn't make it to the next year, but there were a lot of people that then did like really well if they adopted what we were trying to do. Yeah, that's a great story. So one of the one of the things about being in a in a high growth company is the pressure that comes with it. And whenever uh, Type A people are under pressure, the tendency is to take control to make sure that things don't go wrong. Uh, you touched on this earlier where you talked about when you get involved in the minutia, the, the weeds, and when you don't. Uh, how, do you, how do you balance that? Uh, and are there particular metrics or leading indicators that you look at to help you make that, that judgment call? Um, I mean, it just, it depends. Um, uh, it depends. So, I mean... When I started at Signal Effects, we had, I think we had a marketable database of 15,000 people. Um, by the time we ended the first 12 months, um, we had a marketable database of 850,000 people. And so it was clear that you know, like we needed to get the attention of more people and we went out and got through various means. We got, you know, more, 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 um, data to, you know, to, to market to and more context and all of that. Um, but when we did these campaigns and we pushed out these emails uh, and I was looking at the response rates, I was looking at the, the return rates, I was looking at the, you know, the false, um, you know, the, the cleanliness of that database. And it was, um, it was something that needed attention. And I would call that, you know, getting in the weeds but it was it was clear that <clears throat> that um, we, we needed we were just spamming people in, in some cases and um, that wasn't any, that wasn't good so so I got involved deeply in that um, uh, to you know improve what we were doing be much more targeted in what we were doing um, we then we started you know requiring business emails not just you know personal emails and it it it, it, it drove some of the leads lead number the volume down but the quality was much higher um so that was an ex that's one example other examples have to do with like content um i you know i don't know maybe it's from my 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 days of being in a liberal arts school in upstate new york at hamilton college and where you know 
everybody needed to learn how to be a good communicator um, and writer. And so I'm, you know, really um, a bit of a stickler for making sure we're saying the right thing as well as we can um, and not get, not get lazy and not lose a lot of jargon. And so um, sometimes, and I have done recently, um, get into the, I get into the documents and into, you know, or specifically into how we're talking about something. Um, and, and, you know, and, <clears throat> and, um, make sure that it's not only clear, but it's actually making an important point and it's actually easy to read and all that stuff. So, but well, in terms of metrics, I mean, so yeah, I mean, response rates, uh, um, opens, um, um, uh, click throughs, um, time on page, um, um, opt ins, um, you know, those are kind of classical sort of data that data that we're measuring, um, and, and much more. Makes sense. There's a, there's a lot of people that would be listening to this podcast that are uh, joining high growth companies and have a big, big responsibility uh, to grow that company. Let's imagine a company that just raised a, a big funding round from a, from a VC at a massive valuation. You've been through that a few times. If you were their CMO, what would you do if you were advising those CMOs? What would be your advice to them? Um, well, I think, uh, the first was, you know, to congratulate them and they seemed like they made a good, a good choice, uh, to go to work for a company that is projected to have, you know, strong, strong value ahead of them because of the, of the round. Um, um, I would, I would also help, help tell them that the, and I remember actually, I remember saying this, um, <laughs> I remember saying this to the CEO of Red Hat when we went public, because we went public, uh, we were relatively small from a revenue standpoint, we're a relatively small company compared to companies today. Um, but the same message I delivered then is what I would deliver here in this case. And that is, there are a lot more eyes on us now than there were before. And so the expectations are high. Um, in the case of Red Hat, I mean, we, you know, we went public at what was for a long time um, the second highest um, opening day growth of, uh, on, the, on NASDAQ. Um, and we, you know, and our growth rate was like fairly phenomenal, so much so that we did a follow on within six months, follow on offering within six months. People call it a secondary um, because the stock grew so much. Um, and in that process, all of the work that we were doing to start to build the brand and talk about open source and Linux as a leading sort of open source operating system and this challenger brand competing with the way things had been done by the likes of you know, Microsoft forever and forever, um, all of a sudden uh, we did our job and we got eyeballs on us and we better have something to say, <laughs> right? So um, I think the expectations of companies that are raising these big valuations, it's the same thing, which is like, 
are you worth it? And what are you going to do with it? Um, you know, how are you going to fulfill what now are expectations that are being set? This is great. I mean, I think uh, I learned a long time ago that money is an enabler, but not an end in itself. And I think you, you yeah. eloquently uh, summarize that. Like, congratulations, and now the hard work begins. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, 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 it's also, it's, it's not the, it's, I mean, unless you've, I mean, unless you were part of the original founding team and it's, it's a validation, right? It, it, it's a validation and you want to leverage that validation. So, you know, I'll give you some examples if, if we have just a couple of minutes here. So at Sprinkler, um, we forget what round it was, might've been series E, um, we raised a, we raised money um, at a, I think it was like 1.6 1.8 billion dollar valuation, um, and we had had a lot of success. We had a lot of growth. Um, in, in fact, I think we were the fastest SaaS company to cross 100 million in ARR. We were triple, 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 double, double, um, and then you know obviously continued to grow from there. And we raised a round, and a lot of a lot of the and the round was led by uh, Tomasic. Um, you know, a, P, a big, big PE firm. And so that in and of itself sent a signal. Um, so did the valuation, so did the size of the round. But what we did with that was we used it literally as the opportunity for uh, the coming out of the company and to position that the company for where we were taking it, which was we're elevating from social media management up to customer experience management. And we were able to get the first um, profile piece on the company uh, in Forbes magazine written by Alex Conrad. Um, Alex is a, a great talent uh, at Forbes. He authors the uh, or is the editor of the uh, the Forbes Cloud 100. He's the editor of the Midas list. Um, he's um, a very, very, very sharp guy. And, um, you know, we were, we were successful. We spent a lot of time with him. He spent a ton of time with us, a ton of time with our customers. And he wrote a really, really great, well-balanced feature piece, you know, on, on the company. And, you know, that's knowing that we obviously were securing, you know, this, this round, that was something that we, we wanted to do and we were fortunately successful in doing. That's a great, great story, Tom. Uh, I've really enjoyed our conversation today. I, I'm excited about what you're going to do next at Kariba. Uh, and I really thank you for, for sharing your, your wisdom with our audience. Thank you, Tom. Oh, thank you very much, uh, Rahul. Um, I mean, you were part of that sprinkler experience, or you probably remember those days. But um, I'm also uh, watching what you're doing at Fortelli. I think you've you you're playing into a really really important space here, and I think your solution um, offers a tremendous value. So anyway, anything I can do to to help you or the company, or um, if if anybody is interested in you know being in touch with me you know reach me through linkedin and um you know i'm look i'm i think i've i think i've mentored now 20 cmos um over the years so um i i, I i've always 
I played team sports and I've loved coach. I taught tennis. I love coaching. And, um, and I'm, you know, if I've got a couple of things to say that can make a difference in somebody's career, I'm happy to do that. So, um, thanks for having me. Thank you, Tom. That's wonderful. Thank you. If you like this episode of the CMO Stories podcast, please subscribe and give us a like or comment wherever you listen. And if you want to reinvent your approach to marketing and turn marketing into a revenue driver instead of a cost center, visit our website at fortella.ai. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.